You're listening to the Ranger Things Podcast. Welcome to Ranger Things. We're recording on July 29th, 2023. I'm Carlo Montanino, and as always, I'm joined by Brendan Lyons. Hello. And today we have a special guest, uh, Kyle Lempinen, right? Is that right? Yes, got it right first time. Oh, perfect. Who, he is our resident Chicago Blackhawks expert. He'll be taking us through some Blackhawks uh, news, the immediate future, Bedard, obviously. And he's also going to be providing an outsider's view on the Rangers. As always, you can visit us on rangerthingspodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at rangerthings23. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe using the podcast service of your choice. And if you are, consider leaving a positive review. All right, let's get into it. We got a lot of news this week, surprisingly. Um, very little Rangers news, but it's on the periphery. Um, but we'll start with Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron has announced his retirement from the NHL. Uh, I believe that's 19 seasons. Yep. So that's pretty that's a pretty nice career. Brendan, I, I want I want to hear what you have to say about P- Patrice Bergeron because then I, I have I have a little bit of a, a thing we're gonna go through once once you're done. Go for it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I love I love Bergie. I think I've, you know, it's hard to, I mean, I don't love the Bruins or the city of Boston at all, but Bergeron's hard. He's a, a hard guy to hate. So for me, I mean, I also like, like, it's really hard for me to remember a time before Bergeron. I feel like he's just been around for, I mean, we were 19 when Bergeron started playing hockey professionally and we're almost 40. So it's just he's just been around our entire adult life. Uh and he's just a consummate professional, right? They should rename the Selkie the Bergeron Award. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I you know, congratulations to him and his family. I have nothing but positive things. Unlike uh a lot of the talking heads in Boston, I have nothing but positive things to say about Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The talking heads of Boston have negative things to say about this guy? It's. I mean, would you? Ha- would it be any other way? It's they're Bostonians. The guy gave them his entire like nineteen years of his life. Won a Stanley Cup in Boston. You know, in in my opinion, in our lifetime, second to only Tom Brady, up there, as far as you know. And you know, I guess you could put. Chara up in that conversation as well. Yeah. But the second he announced his retirement, they were all like, oh, he fucked us. Ugh. It's Boston, right? I mean, they're trash people. <laughs> I, I won't <laughs> argue that. Uh, I, I, so Bergeron drafted in 2003, uh, 45th overall, right? Um, the famous, to break the Rangers, famously, the draft where we picked Hugh Jessamine number 12 overall. I, I want to go through a list of players in that same draft class that one went before Bergeron. Well, actually, we have a, I have a quite a list after Bergeron, but we won't get into that. 
but before Bergeron and after Jessamine. The Rangers could have had this guy. All right. Starting at 13. So, I'm sorry. The Rangers yeah. passed on Bergeron? They yeah, they picked you Jessamine first round number 12 overall. I remember the I remember the U Jessamine year. Yeah. I just didn't realize Bergeron is, was one of the people we passed on that. Yeah. The Bruins, the Bruins oh. drafted Mark Stewart in the first round before Bergeron. Oh. Brutal. Brutal draft for a lot right, of people. So take us through it. Who all right. who all who all passed on Bergeron? Okay. We'll start who well, was taken by who instead of before Bergeron. Okay. Well, listen, you have Flory, who went number one overall, Eric Stahl, number two, Nathan Horton. That's a I mean, he's a pretty decent player. Jerda, Vanek, uh, Ryan Suter, Dion Phaneuf. These are like big names. Jeff Carter, right? These all went before Jessamine. These are kind of like you expect that, right? You Jessamine, I just can't say that name enough. It's so embarrassing. Number 13, next, LA Kings, Dustin Brown. Oh you Blackhawks, Brent Seabrook. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, number 17, Zach Parise. Number 19, Ryan Getzlav. Number 20, Ugh. Brent Burns. 23, Ugh. Ryan Kessler from the Canu- to the Canucks. Number 24, Mike Richards. 26, Brian Boyle, another Ranger. 28, Corey Perry. Let's see who else we have here. Kevin Klein, another Ranger, at thirty-seven overall. Uh, and then of note, Patrice Bergeron, forty-five. So, I mean, good picks got picked ahead of him. Some of them are kind of stinkers. Most of them were stinkers. Patrice just, Bergeron. If you would, yeah, if you would redraft that year, I mean, Bergeron is definitely maybe he's not first overall. He's I mean, definitely I think first could, round. Like, I think no you could grammar. argue that he, like, he's definitely top five. Um, you have Flurry, Stahl, Horton, Zherdev, and Vanek. I mean, I, I think, think Horton, I think Getz, Horton's like Getzlaff slides into the top five. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bergeron slides into the top five to seven. Well, let me let me go through a couple other names after Bergeron. This was the most stacked draft year ever. Okay. 52, Corey Crawford. Oh, wow. Uh, let's see. 62, David Backus. 64, Jimmy Howard. Right. Big so, like, yeah, big year for goalies. Let's see. I'm pulling, I'm going. Now we're in round four. There's some s- surprises here as well. If I remember correctly, is this the is this the Pavelski year? Yes, I will get to. Yeah, Pavelski is going to make you oh, no. really sad. Let's see, <laughs> Mark Mathot, one sixty eight. All right, my my points not holding up here. <laughs> Nate Tom- <laughs> Speaking of Bruins, Nate Thompson, one eighty three. Oh yeah, two oh five, round seven, Joe Pavelski, right where Argu- people- <laughs> arguably one of the best players. <laughs> Hall of Famer, Joe Pavelski, right. <laughs> Yeah, still playing hockey 600 years later. Jump well, so is Perry. Yeah. Dustin Perry's, Bufflin. Yeah, that's right. Perry just inked a new deal with the Hawks. That's right, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Dustin Bufflin, 245. Yeah, he's a fa- fan favorite of mine. Big Dustin, the buff. Big buff. Back to the Rangers, 271, Yaroslav Halak. Oh, 263, Matt Molson. 
right? We got a lot of it's some good. Matt Olson went two sixty three. Yeah, Brian Elliott by the drafted by the Senators two ninety one. I forgot that we are the team that drafted Halak. No, no, no. Halak ended up as a Ranger. Um, no. Oh, who who drafted Halak? Uh, the Canadians. Okay, I was gonna say I didn't know we drafted him. No, I'm just like. Uh, you know, there's a lot of future Rangers in this last year. It is a Rangers podcast, you know. Um, no. So that's my Bergeron bit. But, yeah, I, you know, in terms of – How many the, years you know, has uh, Blake Wheeler been playing at this point? <laughs> <laughs> now i got to Google that. It's more seconds I have to cut out later. Uh, yeah. That year. No, but, like, you know, Bergeron, like my two cents, obviously the consummate pro, amazing hockey player. I'm, I'm happy we don't have to play him anymore. Yeah. Like, frankly, like that's, a, it, it, but it's also, you know, in regards to the Bruins, it's the nail in the coffin. Like they're, they have to be thinking rebuild, retool maybe, but they're, they have to rethink everything at this point. I don't know. I feel like with Marshawn still there and Pasternak still there and then Allmark and Ned, there's still a small core, but they brought there's no core. No. I'm sorry. They brought back Lucic for a year. That's going to be fun. That's that's just like so they could retire his jersey without guilt. Oh, it's yeah. the parade. Yeah, yeah, the parade lap. Um, yeah, I, which, which, they might they might be done. Done. I wonder if they move. Well, they moved Hall. I wonder if they move Chicago. I wonder if they move mm-hmm. Pasternak. I wonder if this is year they move Boston. They'll move him at the deadline. Absolutely, and he'll go. He'll, he'll end up a Ranger. He'll How probably he end now? up a Ranger. Pasternak. He's got to be right now. <laughs> with our fucking $48 left in cash days well we're saving all of that cash for Kane and that's never happening right. so right. Just, um, if Drury can get the Bruins to to retain everything but the bus ticket to New York we can, <laughs> we can get Boston at the deadline uh, Boston's 27 years old this guy's a baby yeah he's mm-hmm. young enough he's young enough to rebuild around for sure He's good enough to rebuild. Yeah, that's true. So maybe they'll keep. They, they might keep him around, depending how optimistic they are on this rebuild. I would like to see Patrick King come here, uh, come back next season. If he's going to come back next season, I'd like to see him come back and not defer to anybody at all. Just fucking be Patrick King. Yeah, you know, I, I look. I know everyone shits on Patrick King for the time he spent with the Rangers last year. I still, as a hockey player. Only, not as a person, as a hockey player, I still really like Patrick Kane. And I think if we could sign him to a sweetheart deal and he can be confident and not defer, I think Patrick Kane is a great addition to the lineup. And I think Patrick Kane, full confidence, is a great example, excuse me, a great example for Alexi Lafreniere. Oh, yeah. Just briefly on Kane. He had been, you know, it sort of comes out that he's been lingering with this injury for potentially a year or two. He's got to get back on the ice and see how he feels after this major hip resurfacing surgery. If he comes back, I mean, the way his agent talks about it is let's get him healthy and let's get him paid. You know, someone will take him on for the playoffs. What he does then going into next year will shape the net last few years of his career, whether he decides to just call it quits or who knows. But I, as, as if you're the Rangers, 
I don't see why you don't go after him unless he can find something better. Yeah, I, I think Kane, the whole Kane Ranger saga, it's like we took him because he we were the only team that could. There was no spot for him on the team. There was, just wasn't. We signed Tarasenko. Yeah. You know, we have Zibanejad, right? Oh, this chemistry parent. Who gives a flying fuck? Like, we just took him because we could, right? And we got, a, we got him for almost nothing. Yeah, and didn't he pretty much forced their hand and say he really he wanted to go there. He too. really did yeah. because he knew that no GM in this league could essentially hear that he can get Patrick Kane for close to nothing and then turn and then turn it down. Right, right. So if it's if you I'm sorry to cut you off, Carlo, but if if let's good. let's say that Patrick Kane you know goes public and says I want to go to the Rangers and I want to go there now and Drury says now nah, we're good. And we still get bounced in the first round. Drew like, gets fired Drew immediately. Drew's yeah. fired. Yeah, it's kind of a damned if you do situation. Like, I mean, I, I I like, I think, again, Patrick Kane, one of the best American hockey players of all time, guy, like, you take him 10 out of 10 times if you could. No questions about it. There was no plan for him to be on the Rangers. They had to figure out how to, they, they, they threw him on the first power play. Why? Just because they had to, like, they, they, what else are you going to do? This guy? Gallant was afraid, and Gallant was afraid to take him off the first power play. Yeah, because those, those few games he fired. Scratch, <laughs> those few games he was a healthy scratch, like to rest him before the playoffs when when Vlad went up onto the first power play. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the stats, I mean, we I think we scored on almost all of them. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because mm-hmm. you're shoehorning in a player who. I'm not sure how well known the fact that he was sort of going through that injury was, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who's playing at 75% at most, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they had to know. Something. If that, if that. And you're also, you also got to give him a little bit of a pass. on. Yeah. And you're also, of course, when you look at PP one, you're also asking him to do something on that top power play unit that he's not accustomed to doing, you know, he's used to running that power play and, mm on the Rangers, that power play runs through Fox and Panarin. So if yeah. what I, again, I think I go back to my, if Kane would have just shot the fucking puck every time, every time the puck came within three feet of him, if he would have just, cause he's got a sick shot. Yeah. He would have just shot that every time Panarin put it in, in his, in his general area, if Kane would have just fucking fired it on net, I think not only would we be having a completely different conversation right now, I think we advance past the devils and, and far beyond. Yeah, I agree. And now we're talking about will someone sign him, not just will the Rangers bring him back? Because I I mean, I think if had things went better, we wouldn't be having this conversation exactly. But mm-hmm. with Kane where he was at, it's gonna it leaves some a bad taste in some people's mouths even though there were, you know, extenuating circumstances. So do you bring him back? I mean, is it going to hurt the team chemistry to do so? Or is he officially going to go somewhere else? Who know. knows? That's a big speculation. I don't know if he the wants next six to come months. back. I don't know if he wants to come back. That's another thing. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that if his surgery didn't go well, and he still needs to get on the ice this fall and figure that out. I mean, I don't want to use the R word, but like it could happen. There's a very strong chance yeah. if that if that 
surgery was not wildly successful that he could just walk away. I think well, what, go to what's the success rate on that surgery? It's not as high. I mean, it's not as dire as Eichel's surgery success rate, but it's no. not but also, a good success rate. He's also 34 or 35. Yeah. I mean, he's won three cups. He really has nothing other than more money to play for. Right. So I, I think that like if, I mean, there's no reason the Rangers need to sign him. There's no reason he needs to play for the Rangers. I think he's just going to take whatever paycheck comes along. Yep. Play, ride that out. And then we start talking about retirement. I, I wish and it won't be with the Hawks. I wish we would. Yeah. I wish we knew why it was the Rangers and nobody but the Rangers. Gotta be Panarin, right? Because They're such good buddies. Yeah. I think, I think it's real estate. He just wanted to get a penthouse in New York, have a reason to buy it. And then fucking party a little bit. You know, also, it's a, there's a lifestyle. There's a lot. I mean, the Rangers are, you know, notoriously the best franchise in terms of taking care of their players. You know, they probably took really good care of him outside of the contract for rehabilitation on that. Mm-hmm. Well, they probably footed half the bill on the surgery. Like, who knows what yeah. they've done? They've done. I think that, you know, Plus, it's an original six. Doesn't hurt you're on a contender. Yeah. And yeah they, they were good. They were good. So, right. yeah, like, if, if you try to win one, the Rangers are were, you know, last year. And look, you know I'm not a homer because I'm not a Rangers guy. But even I had them as probably one of my top three or four picks to win the cup. So, yeah. I'm guessing Kane would think the same thing. Fucking gosh, mid. All right, so all right, let's but let's move a little bit because we touched on this a bit. Tarasenko, we did touch on this, and I want to yep. like wrap that up because he did that. He signed. He signed to Ottawa. He did exactly you know, what we thought he would do, right? He did exactly what you said he did. He would do one year, five million. He's shopping around. If there's a no trade clause, so he can't move anywhere. So either oh, so there's a no trade clause, which means they which means they can't send him anywhere. That means yeah. he gets to pick the team he goes to. Yes. He'll, they're they're going to want to move him. Let's see, this is a brilliant a brilliant contract. This is why he got a new agent. Why he got a new agent. So it's not it's you know, it's a, a a decent amount of money on a team that, you know, will be somewhat competitive but will probably miss the playoffs, mm-hmm. will more than likely miss the playoffs. And it's not too much of a contract to take on for a team to take on at the deadline. And that no movement clause means they can't just send him anywhere. It's like a he, first pump and dump. I mean, he's he, going to pump his own yeah. stats on that Ottawa team. Yep, exactly. Oh, yeah. He gets to go exact. So he pumps his stats to get big money next season. And he yep. gets to go wherever he wants yep. at the deadline. He gets to do what Patrick Kane did this year. Yeah. You know, and he could see he we might see him at the deadline. Who knows? And you know what? Like, Brendan, to your point again last week, you're two for two right now. Someone on Ottawa has to score the points, and now it's gonna be Vladimir Tarasenko. Right. And you know what Vlad Tarasenko just did? Vlad Tarasenko is like now everyone's gonna find out how good Stunzel isn't. Now that there's an actual oh, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> He's gonna be helping out some of those young guns. I think there are some really good young players on that Ottawa team. Yeah, but he, he's not there to help them. He doesn't give a shit about saying, I was saying that if, if Lafreniere was on that Ottawa team, he would be a fucking stud. He'd be lighting it up because somebody's got to score points. Somebody's got to be the one. Someone's got to make Giroux look good. 
know, I forgot that Jimmy was on that team. I mean, look, Tarasenko's only 31. He's going to be 32 around New Year's. Uh, he's right at that last contract, you know, and he knows the cap's going up next year. He's not pulling an Ajo, who's a bit younger, you know. Uh, th- that that's exactly where Tarasenko needs to be. And, you know, so he can either go back to, I don't know. That's the big speculation though. I don't even necessarily want to go there, but where would he go next year? Someone's got to anywhere, go anywhere that'll give him seven by six. Yeah. Right? Is he, he gets that long of a contract at 32. I wonder if he gets that, that term, but I think the money's about right. Yeah, I don't think he gets again. I don't know. This is so if he doesn't get an eight-year contract, I'd be surprised. Right? Like, especially the caps go people just get. I mean, how many eight-year contracts are out there right now just floating around for no fucking reason? Eight-year contracts with no trade clauses, no movement clause. It's a stupid league, man. I mean, let's not stupid fucking league. Let's not forget uh I believe Taze and Kane both had 10-year contracts or something like that. So, and those just came up. So, well, you know what it is? GMs in this league have to, they have to ink these ridiculous deals to make up for the fact that this league has no money. Like they can't actually play these, pay these players. So we'll give you extra years. We'll give you no move clauses. You know, some of these teams can afford to pay them. Let's be honest. But no, but yeah, but nobody wants to go to Arizona. I mean, some of the bigger teams, but we're in a cap league now. So yeah. A team like Detroit can't just go spend crazy money anymore. Right. That's a different story. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, I don't. Know. I don't uh, what about lots? Yeah, I don't. But before I get into a, a conversation about why there shouldn't be a salary cap, or at least <laughs> yeah. a soft. Cap, Sorry, I brought that up. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, let's make fun of Kyle's Blackhawks. All right, so that's my job, Brendan. All right, let's take a break. Uh, <laughs> I get it from him too much anyway. Yeah. All right, let, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, Kyle, you're going to talk to us about the Blackhawks, and then we're going to get we're going to pick your brain about the Rangers a little bit. But uh, for everyone else, stay tuned. Hey, Ranger Things listeners, you probably already know that you can subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google or just listen by visiting rangerthingspodcast.com. But did you know you can also follow us on Twitter, at rangerthings23? Were you aware that you can email us at contact at rangerthingspodcast.com? Feel free to DM or email us any questions, feedback, or suggestions. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Ranger Things. Ah, all right, Kyle, we have you here for a reason. We that reason is to talk about the Blackhawks. So, what we want to know right now, because you know we like all the. How sad are you? <laughs> yeah, all right. how sad are you? I mean? You have Bedard. Well, we'll get into that. But how sad from one to ten? Ten being the most sad you could possibly be. How sad are you? I mean, it was. It was pretty high up there until that uh, magical draft that we just had. Uh, it went from probably about a nine to a four, but it's been a range of emotions the last two or three years. We'll say. Are you referring to the completely ethical draft that just went? I'm not 
<laughs> I am. I'm also referring to the completely thorough way the Hawks went around some investigations that and allegations surrounding them. Um, we won't go too far into that, but it has left quite a welt on my team and they're, you know, standing, you know, the fans are going to be the fans. They're hardcore, but they, they, they've been taking their lumps rightfully around the league. So um, I can see why there's a lot of conspiracy theories over this, this last draft. So uh, um, I, well, I'll just, I'll say a couple things first this i mean we almost recorded this a week ago and had we done that we would have missed out on some pretty big news which is mm -hmm. uh, rocky Wirtz, the owner uh passing away at 70 which is you know nowadays not that old uh i'll be brief about this but he basically took over the team when they were the kind of the equivalent of the dead wings of the 80s but it was the 90s and early 2000s when the hawks went to one playoffs in 10 years, his dad was famously called Dollar Bill Wirtz because he would he was very ham-fisted with his money. He wouldn't put the Hawks on home games on TV. Uh, they just floundered. They they walked away from guys like Chelios and Ronick, and it was just ugly for the fans in the city for about a decade. Um, he passes away 2008. We've got a couple of guys in the pipeline. Uh, who are getting drafted and obviously then we have Kane and Taze draft and then we have the, the big run the three championships in six seasons um then there's these allegations so it's very he's a very polarizing figure I would say less so than his dad but really the big question now becomes who takes over his his son who's only 46 uh he's already been a part of the team people like him uh seems though players like him too now well, in what capacity was his son a part of the team yeah i can't remember his exact position but he was definitely in the front office i i, I did not write that down like hockey operations junior exactly. assistant to some, I, yeah, yeah. well i think he actually got bumped up to the ceo at some point oh. a few years back so he was a part of the team um a lot of people said actually sort of more so than his father so he's got some pedigree, obviously, his grandfather and dad uh, ran the team. There's always going to be speculation on whether the Hawks will be sold. It's an original six franchise. I don't see it happening, at least not right now. Uh, like I said, with the black eye, the Blackhawks have right now on them. And there's a few reasons for that. It's not beyond the realm of possibility they get sold in the next few years, in my opinion. but. I don't think anyone's talking about it just yet. Um, there's still too many people in the family and close by involved. I think that that just won't happen right away. I would love to see in a succession style show about the words family. I don't know. I think, you know, the, the best way for a team that's, uh, that's got the lumps that the Blackhawks have right now, like in the, you know, in the public theater would be, you know, obviously there's the atonement that needs to happen. And I think they're doing that publicly. Yeah. For mm -hmm. to some degree. Um, and then win. You got to win. Yeah. Winning's the big one. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit with the draft, but beyond winning and the, you know, to go along with the atonement, 
there's something that the Blackhawks have been doing. I don't want to say quietly, but you don't mo- you may not notice it if you're not a fan is they have decided to move on from quite a few folks. And actually Danny Wirtz, the son of uh, Rocky was part of a lot of this. He was part of bringing in Davidson, this very young gun, 34, 35, very young GM. Um, he was part of revamping our um, announcer lineup, getting you know, Pat Foley's gone, Ed Olchek's gone, Patrick Sharp is now gone. Um, obviously, Kane and Taze are gone, and there seems to be no interest in bringing them back. Taze will probably retire, it seems, at this point. It just, there is a very much a sense of moving forward with this team. You know, like they are really, really trying to distance themselves from their former selves, despite all of the good that that also brought. Yeah. And I think, and, uh, oh, sorry, Carlo. Well, all I was going to say is I think that, uh, and this is going to sound terrible, but I think Rocky dying is part of that moving on process. I mean, let's not forget, you know, people are talking about, you know, people are talking about him on NHL network now in this very revered way, but let's not forget <laughs> the last time we heard from Rocky words, oh he was berating yeah. a reporter for asking about, asking about sexual assault allegations. Yeah. And this was like, that's the, that was, yeah, that's the last time we heard from Rocky. So, so, so I'm, think not the saying, atom- I'm not saying I'm like, I'm not saying it's a good thing that this man has died, but maybe it's a good thing. This man has died. It, it really, like I said, these last couple of years, I think, were what made him a more polarizing right. figure than he had been previously. Obviously, in the city of Chicago, you're not going to get much more polarizing than his dad, although I think universally most people did not like his dad. Um, his son, though, seems to be a little bit more on, you know, he seems to be a little more level-headed and has been kind of doing the damage control. Well, well it's funny that you say that because what we all famously, how we all famously know his son is by the appalled look on his face while Rocky was just being a senile old man. Like, we're not going to answer any questions. That was our production. I'm not going to defend anybody. I'm not going to defend anybody in this specific scenario, but I will say that like, you have like a business to uphold. What the hell else are you gonna do, right? Like he's yeah. like I, I get it. I don't like it. I'm not defending it, but I get it. So, yeah, the Hawks. It sucks. But I, in regards to the atonement, I think it was interesting to see how Chicago handled it because this, and you know, this is my speculation. This is going to have to happen a couple more times with a couple more teams. And I, I'm just guessing hockey is weird, insular culture. And this is probably, I'm not going to say it's rampant across the league, but it's probably happened in other places. And yeah. I, think the, I, think, I think Chicago has done a great job of like laying the groundwork of atonement. They basically, well, they were on the way on the downslope of opportunity anyway. Yeah. Shed the big contracts. Said it was, we're it, gonna it we're through. taking two seasons off. We're just taking the seasons it, off. Exactly. It dovetailed. And it really did dovetail uh, you know, in a in a way that I you know a lot of Hawks fans I uh, I think like, but 
obviously it looks a little funny outside. It also looks funny when the Hawks get it, you know, and I'll be, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan first, but I'm a critic as well. And it, it surprised even me when they were only slapped with a $2 million fine and not, I don't know, say give like had their first round pick taken away in, in one of these yeah. seasons, because I mean, even Phoenix had that happen for a little bit of like player tampering or something. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I mean, it's ridiculous, but that's, you can't blame the Blackhawks for not being fined more. That's the league. No, the league no, no. Done. That's the league. Yeah. And it's a different issue. And I think the Blackhawks did, which is what made the Rocky tantrum so bizarre is that leading up to that, they did all of the right things. They fired the, you know, they fired the people who needed to be fired. They said all the right things. And when he was questioned by the reporters, he should have just doubled down on the work they had done and the work they were doing. I because it's not like they're not doing the work they are doing the work and it's a lot of it's danny wirtz yep who's doing the work but you know i think this is a turn the page moment for chicago and you look at the you know you look at the moves that chicago's made and kyle i'll i'm curious to hear what you think about it we look at some of the moves that chicago has made and they're really obviously they got bedard which is great but they've really positioned themselves to bring in several more kind of mini to mid-scale halls this season well so we'll just shoot right into this i mean we picked up a couple of vets on one to two year contracts uh we re-signed anathasiu we got taylor hall for two years but we also brought in felino and perry and these are all guys who i'm sure brendan will go into this more is that they you know these are guys who can be dealt Oh, they're gonna be, but they're lock, they're locker room guys. They're guys who are gonna help some of these youngsters. And Bedard's not the only one. There's a lot gonna be a very patchwork young team the next few years. So the turn the page is going to be how many years until the winning really seriously starts. And you know, one thing to not forget beyond the hall of a draft that we did have this year beyond Bedard is. Um, the Hawks have, in the next three years, they have two first-round picks next year, two first-round picks in 25, three second-round picks next year, two in 25, and three in 26 on top of their own first. We have just amassed so many picks, not to mention this and last year, that the Hawks are going to eventually have to draft themselves back to greatness, or it will just be looked at as a just a massive mistake Uh, whether it's on you know whoever they blame the gm or the coaches or the ownership there's no reason why the hawks in the next two to three seasons should not be at least competing for the playoffs yeah Um, they're gonna have to have a lot of things go right um with some of the young guys they're probably gonna have to start spending some money there i think the second or third lowest team right now in cap which is why they brought on some of these vets but still they're going to have to probably make some trades or otherwise start seeing some of their young talent pay off, you know, in the next two to three seasons. So, so what, what, uh, what, what season from now do you see them like getting back into the playoffs? I realistically, I would have to say not this year, not next year. Um, 25 26 is kind of when I start feeling like the Hawks need to be pushing for the playoffs. 
They've got enough young talent in the pipeline. They've got some guys um, like Reichel and Korchinski who will probably play this year alongside Bedard. And then they've got a couple other hot shots who they've gotten in the last few years, first rounds and stuff. And obviously later round, first round guys, they sometimes pan out. Sometimes they don't. History will tell that, but um, I mean, I mean they're I in a tough like, division, right? Like, do you see that division in three seasons getting less big, getting well, less strong? I mean, maybe you guys can chime in on this. I, I do. I do. I think the only team on the rise with them in that division is probably Nashville. You could say with, with Barry coming in, Nashville, let's, you know, you mm. think Nashville is on a trajectory to be right behind the Hawks in their rebuild, but Dallas is almost at a rope. Um, um, who else? Uh, I mean, Minnesota, St. Louis. St. Louis is sort of coming off the hangover of the, the cup and yeah. losing Tarasenko. I don't, I think they drafted decently. But I don't necessarily know where they're going to be in three years. I think, you know, knock on wood, I think we're doing this podcast still in 20 years. And we're still talking about how Minnesota has not gotten even gotten to the finals because they are just a perennial second round knockout. Well, but I and mean, then who Winnipeg? Well, I mean, so is Nashville. I mean, bringing Trotz in as, as the heir apparent GM, you sort of glossed over that. But I, I other than that one cup run, I. Mm-hmm. Something's got to change in Nashville. Maybe Trotz is the GM now will change that, but they need to, you know, them in Minnesota have been stuck in this purgatory of barely, you know, they might make it out of the first round and then they get stomped by somebody like Chicago or Colorado. I don't know where that happens in the next three years. I think if the Hawks play their cards right, they just breeze by most of these teams in their division. I think you're a year early. In your prediction, I think 26-27 is probably their year okay. to, to have an impact. I think they're competitive in 25-26. But, I mean, the reason why I'd be weary if I were you, because, you know, like when you started talking about all those draft picks they had this year and the draft picks coming up in the next two years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a that's a familiar story for Carlo. That's a familiar uh, story for the <laughs> You know, it's just what this is. is what the, this is where the Rangers were. <laughs> This is where the Rangers were three and a half years ago. That's a great point. And here, like, here's what I'd be curious to see: Will the Blackhawks bring in a bunch of young talent and then uh, throw forty percent of their salary cap at like two all-stars, guys at all stars? Essentially, that is. Well, the Hawks and are then in unfamiliar bury, bury their youth behind those all stars. You know, this is unfamiliar territory for the Hawks. Let's not forget the last time they threw money at guys like, well, let me think about it. I can't really think of a time they have ever done that successfully. I mean, in the 90s, Kane Taves. Oh, Kane, yeah, but they were drafted. successfully, successfully is the caveat, right? Because that was yes. just paying them back for the money they left on the table. Right. I mean, but Ronick, I think, came up as a Hawk. Chelios was traded to the Hawks, but they had a couple of good years. Uh, Belfort, I think, was Amante. Amante was a trade, the greatest Hawk of all time. That was a trade, but you know, I mean, I think Belfort even came up with the Hawks. Like, there's where the Hawks are not typically a team who goes out and buys big players. Even getting Taylor Hall was kind of like a oh, we got an ex MVP on this team now. Well, it's funny that you you mentioned Hall because what the Hawks did this year, Carl, I don't know if you've seen some of the players they picked up. Essentially what they did is they went out because they have money to spend. 
they went out and they didn't take big shots. What they did is they brought in all the guys, like all of the bottom six guys that everybody's going to want at the deadline, but we're just out of everyone's price range because the cap is so tight. So they brought in guys like Taylor Hall. They brought in guys like Corey Perry, uh, Nick Foligno. Like these guys are going to, Colin Blackwell, these guys are going to move at the deadline. Yeah, They're going to bring, and it's going to be another haul. I mean, well, they already have two first round picks next year. They're going to have. I can see two more. Easy. Well, I can see maybe one more or maybe a handful. Taylor Taylor Hall is going to bring a first round pick. Uh, See, that's the thing. There's, There's no, because of the cap, there's no, there's not going to be a lot of movement. So the price tag for these guys is going to go up. Supply is at an all-time low. So the price tag is going to, is going to go up for these guys where you could see, you, you could potentially see Taylor Hall get a second round pick. No, they'll get a first round pick for Taylor Hall. At the deadline, it's like people just throw them around. It's well, you crazy. know what the Hawks will, you know what the Hawks will do. Then they'll flip that first round pick for Artemi Panarin next year. I wish. And, 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 you know, so I'm just kidding. I'm but what I am, Please, I am serious. Jesus. Like, we, I mean, but really, if we walk into next year with three first round picks, there is a very real possibility of packaging that with like a second rounder and going and spending a little bit of money on somebody who will put up 80 points a year. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think the Hawks go big like. I don't think they swing for the fences super hard. I think they're really reliant on their, their coat, like on their scouting and on their drafting. But the only guy we're paying big money right now is Seth Jones. And he's locked in. Yeah. We, we even, if we even had kept Debrin cat, or if we go out and buy one long-term superstar type guy, we will be fine in the next few years, even yeah. with the cap, I feel like, cause it's going to go up. I think if the Blackhawks are going to spend on anybody, Excuse me. It should be between the pipes right now. Go get Hellebuck. That's actually you know, not a bad choice because goalies go are a premium. Go get Hellebuck. You know, uh, Hellebuck's not going to, he's not going to get you to the, like, he's never going to, he's not going to win with this Hawks team. So yeah, really, it's, does Hellebuck want a championship or does he want money um, at the stage of his career? I don't know how old he is, but if he's still young enough to play decently in three years, he might get something close to it. Gibson, John Gibson. There are there are some goalies out there who are not happy with their situation. Yeah. And with the amount of time it takes to get goalies through the pipeline nowadays, yep. it's such a crapshoot. And really all you need there is, is a serviceable goalie so that your young kids could could win some games. You know, like I I I believe that part of the reason why we've seen growth, the type of growth we've seen out of Miller and Fox and Kako. And Heedle, and I'm not going to talk about Lafreniere right now because uh, <laughs> we could talk about that we'll on the day. But we'll get to it in a few minutes. You know, is because they can play when when given the leash to, they can play confidently. Oh, you don't trust you know? Peter Morazic? You know, imagine being you know Phil Heedle, and you're you know you go from Hank to Igor, and you get to you, you get to play in front of those guys. Well, this is a sad you know? thing too: is the Hawks let Alex Stalock walk, and look. He's a career backup, but he had a career year last year and they let him walk because he didn't have any, his contract was up and we still have Morazic for another year. So we're going to watch him and then a bunch of other young guys carousel until someone hits. You know, I think we're a Palabuck's 30, by the way. 
See, I think that's, he's that's right. Hellebuck's in a weird position. He's in a weird position uh, because he's going to be looking for a big contract at the wrong time. We have, we yeah. have, we're, we're in the Valley now. We have, we summited Mount Goalie of like, like seven to eight years ago, you know, where the league was just, it was just the, the flurries and the Hanks yeah. and the Crawfords and, you know, uh, even Carrie Price and yeah, it was just you know even Luongo maybe Luongo Miller just a league full of fantastic goalies. Aiden Hill won the Stanley Cup for former yeah. Winterhawk, Aiden right? Hill. Yes, former Portland Winterhawk. Kyle and I got to see Aiden play in person. Yep. Um, Aiden Hill won the Stanley Cup, and that is <laughs> proof that you don't need a great goalie; you just need a goalie to play great. So did Matt Murray. Yeah. So did Brian <clears throat> Bennington. So did Cam Ward. So, that was a little older. But. So realistically, Aiden <laughs> Hill winning a cup is proof that the Blackhawks can go get John Gibson. They don't got to worry about Markstrom, or they don't got to worry about Hellebuck. You know, yeah. uh, it's proof that the Rangers or the Islanders don't need to throw the bag at Igor and Sorokin when it's there. You know, Igor. No, I think they do goal. because that takes the pressure off of. Your bottom, your bottom pairing of defense. I don't, but I don't think he gets yeah. more than I don't think he gets more than eight. Well, he's also in your category yeah. of elite goaltenders, which has quickly dwindled, like you said, in the last decade or so. I mean, if we count Hellebuck in this, there is maybe a handful of goalies who you can look at. And, Four. Yeah, and here's the thing: I say this not just as a fan, but as someone who say plays fantasy hockey, and you watch how those how you draft with your friends. How many goalies go in the first two rounds? Because I guarantee you it's, yeah, like you said, four or five max. Yeah. And no, everyone else is just such a gamble. Who takes a goalie first and second overall? It has to, be, it has to be one of the silly ass dear. Yeah. Shesterkin pretty much. Where did I take Shesterkin? Fourth? <laughs> Third. Something like that. He fleeced me for hell of a... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I won't make that mistake when I draft Bedard first this year. Why didn't say that? Oh, boy. Oh, that's right. You have the first pick. Kyle's in our fantasy league, which we'll have a plenty of. We're going to do a couple about. of fantasy hockey. After. We're going to get as many guys from the fantasy league on as possible, including my wife. Oh, that's going to be a clusterfuck. My wife, <laughs> the commish. Oh, God. Um, As far as anything else with the Hawks goes, I, I, you know, I think I've mostly covered everything. Like, like we said with these, with these guys coming in, there's only a handful of, uh, players that are even signed for next year and beyond. So the Hawks are in full on, they know the caps going up. They know that they've got maybe five or six guys who are going to be getting paid beyond next season. And everyone else is up for debate. So that's why this season's going to be rough to watch and probably next two, but well, I think it'd be fun to watch Bedard. It's going to be fun to watch that. We barely even touched on Bedard, but well, it is let's, let's get into Bedard. Like that's, this is franchise changing for any team in the league, especially a team like Chicago in the state. We, hope. we hope, we hope. Right. No, I, I mean, yes. Right? I mean, I speak like, first. We've got, we've got, we've got the best for, we've got the best. First overall pick since Sidney Crosby on our third line. No, 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 right? no. That's not no one that's, ever that's said what everybody that, was right? saying. No one ever everybody said was that. saying. But yes, they they were. Uh, but not. so we hope fingers crossed that he's can play at this level, that he doesn't get hurt. Smaller guy, yeah, you know, 
I, I hope Bedard has a great rookie year. I think they're probably just going to hand him the Calder, whether he earns it or not. Yeah, yeah well, I can't think of – there will be other – that's not necessarily true. Um, there are a couple – those top – that top five this year was mean. I think we're going to look back at this draft and say – this was a strong draft, and this was one of the strongest since maybe the one you listed off earlier, which was what oh yeah. five. Are we going to talk about how the? Are we going to talk about how the Rangers got a top five pick in the in the in the low twenties? Is that what we're going to talk about in fifteen years? <laughs> I hope so. That kid looks nice, bro. He also, I think, was on the same line as the kid that uh, Moore, Oliver Moore, that the Hawks drafted just ahead of him, and. They were basically second liners on the national development. So, team, and they both so- were. Top Perot got moved to the second line so that just he spread the wealth out, distribute more to that line, and yeah. and so exactly. So more had been on that line for the most of the season, and when he got bro there, they just became double trouble. Yeah. So that I mean, granted, that development team has become amazing in the last decade, but uh, oh, yeah. and and you know the draft power shows. But we, uh, we could spend yeah. two episodes just talking about the USA under 18. Uh, yeah, I won't go too team. I mean, it's even it's <laughs> like it's lights out, which is uh, but here's what I want to know, Kyle. Here's what I want to know. Do you because I, I thought about this a lot when Kaka was coming to New York and then when Lafreniere was coming to New York. Do you worry? I mean, it's Chicago, it's maybe it's it's the second or third biggest American sports market probably the third biggest hockey market in the world. Yeah. Right. It's a very big sports market. It is. Uh, And it's, do you worry that stepping into that market and, you know, having your name like his, like he's already being compared to Connor McDavid. And now you're playing in a city like Chicago where people are going to start talking about you in the same conversation as like, consummate all-stars and hall of famers like patrick kane or michael jordan yeah you know like you're like my 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 jersey is going to be hung in bars next to jordan's jersey and kane's jersey do you think that's a lot uh for a kid you know i mean it was definitely a lot for the it's a lot for kids who come to new york that's true i mean uh, mcdavid had the luxury of going to a small market but you'll probably also find interviews with Bedard that rings similarly to some of these other generational players. You know, he, he, he talks like a full grown adult. He says, I'm not afraid of this stuff. I just love the game. And I want to like, the fear's not there. He literally says this stuff. He's like, the fear's not there of succeeding. I just will know. I, I, he's like, I want to take it to the next level. How much of that is media training versus in his own, like he might be a mental midget. I don't think we're ever going to know. I, no, you, I don't think we're ever going to know. We're not going to know until the lights go on. We're not going to really know until the lights go on. We're really going to have to see how he performs with the team around him this year. And there's going to be a couple of other youngsters on the team, but there's going to be this breadth of veterans as well who are going to be expected to not only help him, but protect him. And you know, that's a lot of the talk at this point is let's make sure the Blackhawks can patchwork enough of a team so this kid doesn't get like Killed. injured constantly or whatever. You know, that's the big thing. He's but he's already up to weight practically. I mean, he's sitting at 5'10, I think a buck 75, 80. That's what Kane was at when he walked in the league, and he's about the same size. 
but he plays center. Now, that's going to be the big question mark is can a kid his size or a man his size? uh, He's a kid. He's still a kid. He's only 17. You know, can he play center right off the bat at 5'10", 180? I mean, the center is a very heavily relied. That's a hard. That's a hard position. Hard position to play, especially when you're under the league average of six foot two hundred. So, and and if he has to play out on a wing, where do we get a centerman? Do we go out and spend silly money on an Austin Matthews or someone like that? Which, by the way, I could totally see that. But um, that's another story. But yes, he will. It'll, there's a lot of people who are already debating how many points he's going to get this year. And I'm just thinking, let the kid get on the ice. He said that he said that the two weeks or something they spent training in the gym and everywhere else, but the ice was the hardest time of his life. Cause he's like, it's <laughs> the first time in a decade that he's been off the ice that long. So he's hungry for it. Um, he's going to be set up. If not, well, this year we've already seen what the moves have been made. This team is going to have to gel quickly in the next year or two. And they're going to have to bring up some of these other youngsters real quick and be smart about the other moves they make, but they are, I believe setting him up for success. Bedard puts up like 70 points, 30, 30 ish goals. Okay. Is he going to get eaten alive? This guy, where's, where's my heart, right? Where, where is my, uh, Oh, is a charge trophy. Yeah. No. Is the media going to eat him alive? Are what's going to happen? If, what's going to happen if he that. only puts up thirty-five to forty points? That yeah, would be. That's bad. Well, no, 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 is a bust. We're sad, talking about, the alliteration is there. Well, we're hey, we're already talking about this kid as being a first night, first liner, second line. You know, he's a top liner. That's going to be rough. That is going to be a lot of pressure. Understood, mm-hmm. but I feel like with the team that is surrounding him this year, the expectations will be tempered. I really feel like depending on what he does this year, it's going to be his second year, which will be where the measure comes from. Yeah. Because that's where there will, there will be a little bit more youth development. There'll probably be some moves made to bring in some other talent. Then you have to show because by that, by right. isn't it, what is it? Three year three is en- entry levels over. Yeah. So like he's going to have to really hit the ground running. And in a big market, yeah, but Chicago's market, you know what? The my recollection growing up there is they're not as hard on their players as say a New York or Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they're doing well. So if the kid yeah. has a disastrous campaign that isn't like injury shortened or anything. You can't just hit the panic button after you. Well, so I think I, I don't think Chicago will go after him. I think Toronto will go after him. the hockey world will go after him. The hockey world. Uh, oh yeah, but so yeah. I think Fair. that Chicago is going to have to do a really good job of insulating this kid because the league is the league is taking. I mean, it's like have you seen the fucking early schedule? It's like the Hunger Games. <laughs> they're, they're, they're fucking chomping at the bit. Carlo, let me let me walk you through this, right? Yeah, if please. Bedard, if Bedard is the first line starting center, that means that this kid, the lights go on, and this kid takes his very first pro faceoff against Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. Yep. It doesn't get much better from there. Right? Then oh thank God. God, thank God Bergie just retired because after he's done in Pittsburgh, he gets road showed to Boston. 
And then once he's done in Boston, he gets roadshowed to fucking Montreal and then to Toronto. And then he comes home, the home opener against the fucking Colorado Avalanche, where he gets to get stacked <laughs> up against Nathan McKinnon in his fifth game in the league. Jesus Christ. This Whoever made kid. the schedule for the Blackhawks is fucking out for blood. This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's well, they 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 gave them the first overall pick, so they yeah. gotta take a little their pound of flesh. Yeah, well, I'm exactly. really surprised that he's not in New York in the first 10 games. I he was they know New York's soft on center, so that's why <laughs> yeah, that's the whole problem. <laughs> I, so, I, I think my my concern about Bedard really overall is actually well, I'll I'm gonna Backtrack a little bit. I think the rollout that the Devils did with Hughes is the ideal rollout for an overall first pick. And I'll say that. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. That like, is the, that's the script. Chicago that's the script. Like, you can't have a first overall and say this guy's Jesus, and then he has the season that an 18-year-old has. Like, the thing that kind of sucks for Bedard that was great for Hughes, Carlo, is Hughes had Nico, and Bedard doesn't have that. Bedard doesn't have another, you know, if, if Chicago... Yeah, but Bedard has Perry. Bedard has Hall. Taylor Hall. Bedard has these guys who can, like, head that locker room and give him a little bit of a... I think that, in the next few years, if Chicago gets another really yeah. high-end draft pick, they're not defensive. Then that kid, then that kid could look to Bedard the way Hughes was able to look to Nico Heischer. Well, yeah. For instance, Pat, if you rewind the tape a bit to Taze and Kane, they went. It was Taze number three overall. Then the next year, it was Kane number one overall. But they. Taze, I think, waited another year in college, so they actually mm-hmm. came into the league at the same time, and that would have been the ideal was to get somebody else in there with him, and that is I. Th- it, there's a lot of speculation here, and there's a lot of youth on this team, and there is not a lot of depth on defense. That is, I think, what they're kind of looking at this kid, Kevin Korchinski from Seattle in the WHL for. He was drafted seventh last year, him and two other guys on that team were are drafted by the Hawks, went to the finals in the WHL and won this year, and then lost in the final of the Memorial Cup. We have a, we have a contingent out here in the Northwest of, of Hawks players. Yeah. If Porchinski can actually be this kind of like tall, lanky, fast shooting, you know, he takes a little of the pressure off Jones. If, if all of a sudden, if your back end gets shored up a little bit, the Hawks look completely different too, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I think that that will be good for Bedard because if he could, you know, if he could be part of a young core instead of just being, be. a, instead of just being an Island, you know, like that was the problem with David, you know, he, even though he had Nugent Hopkins there before Drysidle got there, mm-hmm. it was, you know, that's when oh. you really saw, yeah, that's when you really saw McDavid take off. Is the opposite was. of the devil's rollout of Hughes would be the Oilers rollout with McDavid. Of everybody until dry side. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah. I mean, they're going to throw that kid in fire. Let's not, let's not mince words. Bedard mm-hmm. will be put out there. Uh, it's feast or famine. Yeah. This is just how it's going to go for this kid. But if he, if the words aren't just media coaching and they're real, then from what he's already shown in his young career, I think he'll take it in stride. 
but I, what I think what I like about use what I, what I like I, I agree but what I like about the used rollout we'll call it that is that it was the team and it was the media that said hey he's a young kid they didn't put the world on his shoulders no one put the world on Jack Hughes shoulders they said hey just play and figure it out and then he did and now look at the guy yeah right, I three mean, years in actions and words i think when i meet when i say they're going to throw him in the fire that's the action the well, they, words, he will he's going to have to learn but yeah. the pressure I, I i think brendan's concern earlier is that he's going to be under so much pressure i think the playbook's written the devils say hey don't put these kids under pressure let them get up to speed let them put on a couple pounds and you're going to see how much they can affect the game Absolutely, but and you, and you also have to let them. And sorry to cut you off, Kyle. Don't go for it. When they, like when they're ready to pop off, you gotta let you gotta let them pop off. You just gotta let them do it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, this sort of goes with the mentality of the team now moving forward. I mean, not the least of which is because of the new ownership situation. But bringing in a young GM a couple of years ago, or was it just last year with Kyle Davidson? The Hawks, I believe, are going to roll more like that in the future they know that they know that between last year this year and the next couple of years they have so many young high round picks coming up that they would do well to temper expectations for everybody in the media and just in the locker room and just be like we have a lot of good young players here let's let them get their own feet here and then we don't have we don't need to put a ton of pressure on thank god we're not in toronto that market is like the media it's awful <laughs> i i'm so glad that they take that off of the hawks i i've got a lot of i've got a lot of faith in what chicago's about to do i'm hoping i think bedard's really good for the league like you know like mcdavid's really good for the league and it's you know it's mcdavid in an american market where mcdavid should be you know yeah, it's a player to that caliber in an american market because in here's an original the, like, six market here, and here's the thing like McDavid's fantastic. No one cares because no one even knows that. No one sees him play ever. What about like Kachuk in Florida? You know, it's like look at the popularity. Look at the popularity spike in Kachuk since leaving Alberta, where nobody like, you know, (laughs) such a. But it was to Florida. Like, yeah, you guys don't want to know my views on Florida. You know, (laughs) all right. So listen, I guess better than Alberta. Let me let me ask you this, and then maybe we'll you know we'll we'll move on. Uh, we talked about the pressure on Bedard. Gun to your head. Who has a better rookie season? Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli? Also, Gun I want everyone to acknowledge, head, Kyle. Also, I want everyone to acknowledge that I have completely glossed over Leo Carlson because I was going to say Leo Carlson. Uh, like the Ducks, the ball drop of the century, not taking Fantilli. Uh, and then, like, missing out on the Fantilli Zegris. I mean, but just yeah, that would have been it's still fucking... gonna be, they're still gonna have that one fun line with Terry and Zegris. Yeah. Like, but the with I won't even go too far down that hole. But I mentioned Gibson earlier. If he yeah. comes to a place like Chicago, he wants out, he's yeah. handed in his request. So, don't, leave. Yeah. All right. so, so don't, 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 don't backtrack. No, no, don't, no. don't run away uh, from this. Gun to your head. There's a gun to your head. <laughs> I, I could easily see this not being a shoe-in for Bedard for the Calder. And here's the reason why. Fantilli 
I mean, probably immediate training, but who knows? Said he wanted to go to Columbus. I was amazed to hear that being that he was in school in Michigan, but um, Svantilli's going to be walking into a team that, well, they just decided to blow up everything on the, you know, from their goalies standpoint, they're a more established team. They're a more known quantity. They have players who are that they, hell, they brought in Johnny Goudreau. They brought in Patrick Line, who now has a reason to actually play. You know, he's going to have a center with them. They, they have some question marks on their D. Their goalies situation is way less than ideal at this point, but they're still going to be further ahead in their rebuild than the Hawks or Anaheim. So can Fentilli do more with that? Hell yeah, I think he could. You know, I mean, it's a very serious consideration to make. He's also a year or two older than Bedard because he went through the American hockey, college hockey system. I think he's like 20 and Bedard's about to be 18 or he's a, he's a year or two older. So you're already talking about a guy who's a little bit bigger. He plays less per season, but he's been playing American college hockey, which is just as rough. So he's got that man strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, as Dave would say that man strength. <laughs> that, 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 that beer gut, he's got it. So, yeah, I mean, gun to my head, I think it's going to be really close. But Bedard's going to have to do well, – pick, pick one, pick one. I'm going Bedard, and the only reason is I think he's going to have to do it all on his own. Yeah, that's true. If they even come close in points, you know, during the season, you got to go Bedard because I can see he's going to have yeah, more I can see Bedard potentially having more points. I, you know, when you look at the top five, I think the only one that might – I think Fantilli could possibly – Keep pace with him, but again, you've got Lionel, you've got Goudreau. There's other people scoring. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith out of San Jose. San Jose is so shit that Eric Carlson had to be their primary scorer. Hey man. So Will William Smith might blow. No, things. we don't. Def- Kyle, don't don't get any ideas. We do not defend EK sixty five on a scale. <laughs> hey, we are not fans. <laughs> I'm not defending. I'm just saying. How in the world did that guy come back from all those ankle surgeries and have the year he did last year? What is he was the only guy who could score on that team. No one else That's could true. score. Oh, how the mighty have fallen out there in San Jose. When they lose Pavelski, you know, yep. and all those from there. Like, how, how, like, on a scale of one to 10, how sad are you that you can't say things like it's Fantilli time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you Bedard get ready for this. Yeah. this is oh, like, oh, it, it's oh, Bedard o'clock. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need the catchphrase. Bedard I Bedard not suck. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> this kid, yeah, but this kid looks like he looks like he's the size and, you know, at shooting acumen of Kane. But with the seriousness of Taze, I love it. Like, I can't really not at this point. I would have been okay with any of those other guys on our team. But in the end, you cannot imagine how over the moon me and every other Blackhawks fan is at this point. I mean, yeah. It's just. Yeah, of course. I, I can imagine. I actually, I can, I can imagine exactly. <laughs> well, the expectations. <laughs> and look, I, I have to temper the expectations. They're very high for this for this guy for like mm-hmm. in the next by season three, by the time he's out of his ELC and we need to pay him $15 million a year or whatever, oh, he better be worth every penny of it. Hopefully you only have to pay him 2.2. Like we're about to. Pay <laughs> well, I'll say this. When I hear it's Bedard time, I want to pull a blankie up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Kyle. Yes. We have you here. We're a Rangers podcast. I want to hear your 
uh, thoughts as an outsider about the Rangers, their offseason maybe, but more so about their future. This is going to be my favorite part of the podcast because as Kyle's friend, close friend here in Portland, uh, we've talked multiple times about how like his dad's a secret a Rangers fan and like he's my dad's a, second team. He's a secret. Well, you know how like when when the Rangers were kind of sh- we all have a second team. Right? The Rangers, yeah, yeah. no sixteen yeah. that I that I don't despise. Like I actually would root for the Rangers. I rooted for them last year to win the yeah. cup because I had a because I like you guys legitimately thought they were going to have a chance at that and uh i mean i'll just shoot right into it uh, you know they didn't need to do much more than make some tweaks they brought in some old you know we'll just say some older gentlemen uh but those guys aren't hurting your team i mean right. the reality the reality is this team does have high expectations and for a good reason because they're a damn good team there's a lot of amazing players. And if Keandre Miller comes on like he has been and continues to, you guys have a top three decor in the entire league. So there, and one of the best goalies as well. So there is zero like excuses anymore for this team, not to make a cup run in the next few years. Well, you know, there, there just isn't, I like, I have high expectations for this team. You guys have an amazing, like, look, Kreider, Zabinajad, Panarin. I don't need to tell you all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trocheck. You even got Jimmy Vesey. Like what? Not to mention Kako and Lafreniere. And I like those guys, especially Kako. I, I always root for Finnish players, being like a Finn myself. So I like him. I like how he's been developing. Albeit, I know there's going to be a lot of talk here about these youngsters. Uh, I'll shoot right into it. I think I have talked about this with Brendan a bunch. And I tend to agree for the most part that a coaching change is, is going to help. I mean, I don't see your team being, I don't see this coaching change making your team all of a sudden disastrously worse. Like they're going to be as good or better. And hopefully when playoff time comes and they're, if they're, you know, provided that they're nice and healthy, uh, there won't be any falling asleep at the wheel. So, yeah, I agree totally. I think, you know, similar to what we saw in um, Florida last year, I think we might see a dip in point production, like like how many points we finish with, uh, because I think there will be an adjustment period to La Villette, like there was an adjustment yeah. period in Florida. But I think we we finished top three in the Metro. We're not a wild card team just because it's such there's such a cliff in the Metro that we finished yeah. top three. Uh, and we are we are at minimum a much better playoff team. And that's what I, you know, I, I'm glad to hear an outsider say it, Carlo, because this is what like we spent a whole ep- a whole episode trying to convince Ranger fans to calm the fuck down. Right. Right. They I, I love that out. It was so I love I was listening to it washing my car and I he's like, take the summer off. I'm like, man, I'm doing that. <laughs> take take just have a beer, chill out. And that's the big thing is there, there's no panic mode here. Obviously it was a bit tense watching them go out of the playoffs the way they did last year. My big question for you guys. Um, I mean, Brendan just said it here and I tend to agree. It's going to be a top three finish for your division, but who do you think you'll play in the first round? Who do you want to play in the first round? And do you want the devils at some point? 
for a re- for some revenge. I'll let you go first, Carlo. I'm not afraid of the devils. I'll say that outright. You should, um, by the way. I should. I didn't. Yeah, it, we we don't need to be. I think they're a, an amazing team. Like no one's doubting that. Um, in the first round, right? Oh, the road to the cup is going to be Devils and Carolina. Anyone else we see is just a complete fluke, right? The the East is the Islanders, maybe. No, we'd have, to, we'd have to win the division to see the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, like, look at the Atlantic, right? Toronto, Tampa Bay. That's kind of it, right? And that Tampa Bay's fall off a cliff. Like Buffalo, take a jump. But Buffalo taking a we're not gonna like that's not a team I'm afraid of. Like I'm not for really us the road is Car- like I agree. The road is Carolina and Jersey. I think this year it's gonna be Carolina first. I think first round is Rangers at Carolina. Um, and I and well, know, I think it depends on where you think they're gonna finish the season. I have I have high hopes for them in the regular season. And it's not just like finish- Ranger fan optimism. I see I see them doing really well. I think I we think- finish second at best. Second at best. I think if you're behind the Devils, behind the Devils, behind the Devils, yeah. I think if your team clicks, you can beat the Devils. I think your defense and your goaltending is stronger than the Devils, and I think that basically all around your team is better than the Devils. There's very, very good top. Like, don't let Sandra hear this, but you know, I mean, I and I do like the Devils. I think they've got a great young core, and they're going to be dangerous. And they're 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 I think a more real threat than Carolina ever. Uh, Yeah, Carolina is not a threat, but. They play like it at times. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. It'll also be interesting if you, you know, if you have to come up against some weird buzzsaw like Florida. You know, like will that happen again this year? We no. have some weird random eight, seven, eight team. You know, no, but- I, I think Florida wasn't supposed to be a wild card team. Florida ended up in the wild card slot because of a, a rocky Pittsburgh loss. Oh, was it just a rocky first year with a new coach? Yeah. Trying to trying to sort out a new system, and you know when they started to click, they lit the world on fire. So this is a yeah, funny, but but they got in because Pittsburgh lost two easy win games. Oh, yeah, that's why they got in. I here's a funny aside, but this is New York area related. Um, we've been talking earlier about some of these guys with the. There's a lot of signings that have been made that are only one year because we all know the caps going up. There's a lot of guys who are going to command. New money, different money. Um, where do you see the Islanders in all this? Could they make a run at some guys like Tarasenko in the trade deadline? Do you think that they're going to even be in a position to do or like to want to do that? I, 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 I do you think they go after some, you know, spend some money? I think because of I, the state of the East right now, the Islanders are a wild card team for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I can see that. Do they? Can they make a push for Tarasenko? Maybe I don't know. Could they be the team that brings him into the deadline? You know, for sure. I, I don't see why they why they couldn't be. I think I just, that I'm curious. I, I think the Islanders have a Lula Marilla problem at this point. And that's like sacrilegious to say because this guy's like genius yeah. GM of all time. Yeah. But yeah, I think way. he's aged out at this point. And he is like just look at their offseason, look at their trade deadline. Like he he dropped the ball. He's out of it. So they need to solve that problem first. Yeah. I mean, they're I, just looking briefly at their cap friendly They're you know, through their next few years of drafts, 
compared to looking at the Blackhawks one where it's just like, boom, boom, boom. You got new picks here, picks there, picks here, picks everywhere. This is like vanilla as it gets. They've got one minus two in the next three years. They've just got one for every one. And I'm like, you guys need to start wheeling and dealing. If you're going to go anywhere in this league anymore, you know, especially in a big market, like you're the second team. They're, they're the, a bubble team. They're right. rightfully a bubble team. They're talented. It's just that they they need a GM that's going to make take a risk to like well, push them over. The reason, and, you know who they are. You know who they are. They're the 2010 Rangers. The 20. Yeah, they are the 2011 Rangers. They are a fantastic goalie mm-hmm. behind a mediocre team. Yeah, they have a little bit of talent. I I feel bad for a guy like Barzal who doesn't really have a ton. Like that kid should be passing it to a guy like Bernard. He should be setting up a guy who, who is then going to pot 60 goals in a year because Barzal is good. He's calling Bernard scoring 60 goals a year, by the way. (laughs) Well, yeah, well. Forget that I said anything about Barzal going to Chicago. I'm going to make wild. I would love to see it. It's like, I don't even think about it until I'm, talking about it with you guys but man i mean i can dream can't i of course Uh, of course the real question for me and this is a dream as well how long until the nhl figures out that the islanders have just been fleecing them for years and they need to move up to quebec (laughs) (laughs) kyle Kyle just kyle will not be able to die peacefully unless there's a hockey team in quebec there's no reason for a team to be never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. But look, I'll, I'll I, move I, the Islanders happily, but we don't I want to move to Quebec. I want to get back to, to to what Kyle was saying about the Rangers real quick and just double down and say like it makes me really happy to hear an outsider have a similar opinion to mine because of the amount of panic I see from Ranger fans. Yeah. It's like Ranger fans just keep talking about, you know, we need to go get this superstar and get that superstar. Like we already have the superstars. Yeah. You know, yeah. what, what we needed to do was go get depth that rounded out the team. And that's exactly what Drury did. And whether people want to admit it or not, look, I get it. You're never going to see a roster like we did after the trade deadline with Kane yeah. and Sanko and Zabanajad. It's not going to happen. That was ridiculous. That, that, that was an all-star team. Right. But that being said on opening night, the Rangers will be significantly better than they were on opening night last year. Agreed. Definitely. Absolutely. We're so I'm going to push a little bit of this back at you guys. Um, You know, I'm not going to say the Rangers bungled anything with bringing in Kako and Lafreniere as early as they did. They were in a position of where I think they, they thought these kids are our one and number three or whatever they should be first night guys and they didn't you know put them through the minors or anything um do you think that there could have been better develop like they could have been better at developing them from a young age so that they i in mean like, respect in retrospect, so we're not talking about them as like busts because i, I still see there's a lot of potential in both of these young players absolutely if they, if they take if they can just step up from being like a I don't know, 50, 60 point a year guy to like an 80 point per year. Well, you're, guy, you're already you seeing are, it. You're already seeing it in Kako. Kako is, has arrived. Kako, That's yeah, like, he's you all of a sudden have a team that is scary. Right. I mean, like, no one's gonna question 
them going to the cup type yeah. of. I, I think I, I, the problem is Kaka was NHL ready when we brought him in. Lafreniere was not, but he was the first round pick. The first overall, the pick, first yeah. overall pick. So the yeah. first overall pick. Yeah. So it's, you have this culture of bringing those guys in right away. First night, he probably should have been spent a year in Hartford. Kako was ready to go. Kako needed those minutes, and you see what he's done with them. Right, right. They did. Kako right. turned into just this defensive, you know, puck possession machine. Just you, you know, he's he, he uses his size and his stick handling yeah. ability to just keep the puck away from people and extend mm-hmm. possession. And he's just he's turned into a very unique. If he can get a finishing touch now. You know, like the passing vision is there, but if he can get a finishing touch, clean that shot up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, he came in with that finishing touch. He needs to have that confidence that he had. He needs the confidence. He just he needs, needs the confidence he had in, in, in Finland. We, I mean, we're, they are the younger side of the team, but I just want to, you know, like, just as a reminder to all the Rangers fans listening to this podcast. They are 21 and 22, respectively. Yeah, they are still <laughs> extremely young. Yeah. You guys came in. They People tend to forget because they came in their first year that they were only drafted at like 17 or 18. I mean, there is bust potential, but there is so much more boom potential oh, for yeah. both these players. And I mean, like, especially Lafreniere. I mean, I also, because I have to, I look at your, I look at your team and I go, your top three guys are now 30 or a little older and they're all signed for the next few years. You have to go for it in mm-hmm. the next maybe three seasons. I, either that or I don't know. Like I don't really think there's too many moves you can make money wise or otherwise. Right. I don't really think you right. need well, to be tooled what, around with this team too much. What I want right. to do is I want to see them forget about the last oh, two coaches. You know, oh, forget about oh, <laughs> X amount. He's got to play top six minutes. Right. X amount. He's got to play top six minutes. Put those guys on the third line. Get Lafreniere and Kako up where they need to be. Yeah. In the type of roles that they should be in. Right. And then let Kako and Lafreniere also feel the heat on their back from guys like Othman and Cooley and Perot who are itching to get on this team. Yeah. Right. Even yes. And let's let's go after it. Let's go after it in the next three to four years. Knowing that we have, once this core fades away, we have a core of Heedle, Kako, Lafreniere, Perot, Othman, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, and Igor Shostakovich. Exactly. I yeah. mean, the takeover. The, the, just having those two young defensemen, on, you know, say nothing of Truba, uh, is, you're so lucky. I mean, the last time my team was that lucky, we won a couple of cups because we had Keith Seabrook right. and yeah. then Chalmers and all these other, you know, we had a great core. You, you already have the, the thing is no matter what you want to do to your team you already have most of a set which is your defense and your goalies you have you have something that most teams do not have which is three or four amazing players back there i mean mm-hmm. you just can't ask for much more especially in the league with the cap the way it is right now i would love to see uh, lafreniere take some steps forward some big some significant steps forward in the next year or two he is only 21 um but beyond that, I mean, let the kid line play a lot. 
like whatever they, I think that's what yeah. they're called, right? Heedle and yeah, yeah. Well, they're, that goes they're the boys to men. Oh, okay, that's right. That's, <laughs> is that, that what it is? Really? Credit credit to Brent Kaplan at Blue Shirts Breakaway for coming up with the boys to men line. But let I mean, and if you gotta, if you gotta put him on a third line every once in a while, do it. But from everything that I've heard, mostly from hilariously you guys, uh, they're it was they were getting you know the it was punitive some of the the damage being done to these kids when they're so young is like getting dumped onto the third fourth yeah. line or getting scratched and it's like you if you're going to but invest in these kids they you were, cannot do well that. it was that whole two timeline bullshit where we want to be able to win now and also win later that's not how yeah. it's done you know and look these kids were always going to need time to grow you know if we didn't have the panarins and the criders and the zabana jads this team would have sucked but they would have had a lot of points those kids would have had a lot of points yeah yeah you know, the problem with the problem is Ranger fans. It's, it's New York. It's New York media and it's New York sports market. Nothing's good enough for us. Yep. They not want only, it now and they want not, it later. Not only, not only do we want to win a championship, but we want it to be easy. Yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> oh, what? Go, go. Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out. Get him on the Rangers. Sign Pierre-Luc Dubois yeah. and sign... We're, it's the only market that wants to watch. And also sign Sebastian Ajo. We want a mega team all the time because of because of fucking Yankee fans. We want a mega team all the time. It's New York. I get that. But your team is in in a lot of respects, now that you say that, very dissimilar from my team in the way we go about signing players of note from other teams. Mm -hmm. The Rangers do this a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do not. I mean, you're very lucky that Panarin and Zabinajad have been aces for you. And I'm glad that they're Rangers. I'm glad they have long-term contracts. They finally have a home that they can appreciate and be appreciated. But yeah. Kreider, I look at this team right now, and beyond those young guys, Kreider's the only guy I look at on this team that wasn't brought in, that I can recall being brought in. Yeah, he's home When home I see Kruba and I see, you know... Uh, Wheeler and Benino, these are new guys. Kreider, Kreider and I guess if you want to consider Igor a veteran at this point, Kreider and Igor are the only two homegrown veterans. BC. Yeah, we, didn't, we didn't draft BC. We didn't draft we, we, Yeah, we, 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 no, we didn't draft him, but he wouldn't sign. He held out. Well, for Nashville, Carolina. Yeah. No, didn't he get drafted by Buffalo? Then Nashville. No, it was Buffalo, he, Carolina. Played college there. No, no, no. He got no, no, no. He got drafted. I forget by who, but he wouldn't sign because so he, and then v- we picked VC, him up. VC was a combination. VC was Buffalo and Nashville, and Fox was Calgary, Carolina. Correct. And they both kind of yes. forced him onto the Rangers. Yeah, but right. uh, good. Yeah, the superstars are. Point, but I want to wrap it up. Good. I was just saying the superstars are already here. Uh, you know, I think it's go time for the Rangers. I really do. Uh, and the last, I guess the last thing I'll say to Kyle, when you're saying about, they don't have this problem with having to bring in superstars in Chicago is that's because everyone there is too busy defending pickles on hot dogs to worry about <laughs> paying attention to free agent signings. <laughs> we, I, there are times that I wish we would sign more guys, but it, you know, it's just worked out. I, you know what? I can't not. I Marion Hosa. He's the one guy yeah. who was our sort of magic bullet. Patrick Sharp. 
Patrick Sharp came in when he was still kind of making his way through the, like he had one year in Philly, but he was just a hot shot in the AHL. We got lucky yeah. with him. When the minute we signed Pat Sharp for like 2006 or something, I was like, this guy's the next Tony Amani. And he took his number even, and he was, but, but Hosa was the one guy who we brought in and everyone's like, well, now he's, you know, he's a, a mercenary. He's been bouncing around the league, scoring goals like crazy, but another point. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. One championship yeah. here. And uh, well, yeah. Every Hawks. time Kyle and I go to a Winterhawks game, we have an opportunity to, to buy like a $4,700 game worn Hosa Jersey. He won the MVP of the playoffs that year. They were chipping in alternate days that you wear. I know. All I mean, all yeah, right. All I'm saying is he was the one guy we spent a boatload of money on. It was but worth then, it. But then he spent like nine years with us and won three cups. I mean, I can't yeah. really argue that. Worth it. Worth it. Worth every freaking penny. You know, I think just to close out the Blackhawks conversation or just this entire conversation is I think the Blackhawks are very lucky that their fans are still kind of fresh off of three cups. Like you still have the memory yeah. of those three cups where you could say, you know what, we could suck for a little while. Like it's been almost 30 fucking years for us. You know, it has, you know, you, yeah. you were a dynasty not too long ago and you, you saw that dynasty get built and have faith that it could happen again. Yeah. yeah and I know that, you know, the Rangers and a few other, Larger fan bases are just chomping at the bit right now. I mean, your team is a cut. Like I could name one north of the border who is, you know, itching for one. But I really do think that the only team I see in the East, there's maybe two I see being a thorn in your side, and that's Jersey and Toronto, and that's it. More so Jersey. I don't even think I don't even Tampa or Carolina or. yeah, Any it's just Jersey. It's really just Jersey. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, um, I just want to play a quick game. And Kyle, this is a game that you suggested. Um, <laughs> it's called Name That Player. Name That Player. All right. So here's here's how we play. I've picked the player. I've come up with five clues for that player. After each clue, you both get to guess. You can pass if you want. Um, and by the end of it, whoever gets it correct will win. And, and it's me versus win. Kyle? Is that what's going to happen here? Yeah, yeah it's, it's you two against each other. So we'll keep stats on the website or something. Probably not. <laughs> All, right. All right. Are you guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. This player has appeared in four All-Star games. God, that's real low-hanging fruit. Kyle? Uh, Only four? Four. I'm not allowed to ask questions. I'm going to have to pass. You pass. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Brandon? Only four All-Star games. Yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury. It's not the answer, but that's okay. You can give bad answers. uh, You're not not penalized for wrong answers. Can I go? Can I have a guess? Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, Danny Heatley. No, (laughs) but that's okay. All right. Clue number two. This player has two stints in Finland, SM Liga, and has an MVP trophy there. I'm sorry, Brendan. Philip Forsberg. No, it's not it. 
Sack and Koivu. No, it's not it. Two good guesses, though. All right. Third clue. This American Consumite winner is also the oldest to win the award. An American with two stints in Finland, four All-Star games, and a Consumite winner. And he's the oldest to win it. If it's an, I don't know. <laughs> Hold, give me a sec here. Two stints in Finland. What Americans? Yeah, Finland. I don't know. Oh, oh man, I I feel like I know who this is. I'm gonna pass and hope hope on the fifth. Clue. All right. The fourth uh, clue is gonna help a lot. I'll say that. Fourth clue. Much. Yeah. No. Ready? Yeah, you both pass. Yeah. Yeah. Pass. All right. This player has two Vezina trophies. Oh, it's a gold. Uh, but he's an American. Won the cons. <laughs> you have such disdain on your face. But you say this so well. He won the cons, so that means it's not Richter. Is it Mike Richter? No, it's not. No, Miller. It's not Miller. All right, fifth clue. This player believes the federal government has grown out of control, threatening the rights, <laughs> liberties, and properties of the people. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, what I the mean, fuck? Do you get to win this because yeah, you said <laughs> Tim Thomas. There we go. Oh, I'd say that's a tie. <laughs> Damn, that was good. That was really that good. That would name that player. That would name that player. Name that player. That was good, right? Hot. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's our show. Thank you all for listening. Remember to follow us on Twitter at RangerThings23. A huge thank you to our guest, Kyle Lempinen. Kyle, yes. do you have anything to plug? Absolutely nothing. Direct all of your hatred towards these guys. Twitter, emails, whatever. Sounds good. Uh, and for Brendan Lyons. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. I'm Carlo Montanino. See you all then. Take care. Well, I wanna be a New York Ranger. Well, I wanna live a life of